Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Kingdom Family Talks. My name is Michael, and I am here with the man himself, Mr. Leif Hetland. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you. How are you doing, Leif? I'm uh, recovering from this COVID-19 and still struggling a little bit with some shortness of breath and, and some strength, but uh, I feel so, so much better than I did about a week ago. So, so I'm going from glory to glory and faith to faith. Good. I'm glad that you're feeling better. I know you, you had kind of a journey with that. And so on the mend now, right? Better than ever. Yes, sir. (laughs) So today's a really exciting day for us at Global Mission Awareness because you are actually releasing the 10-year anniversary edition of your best-selling book, Healing the Orphan Spirit. Yay! <laughs> That's got to be such an exciting milestone in your life, in in ministry, and just the message that you brought forth. Yeah, it is it is really exciting because uh, I don't think there's a single day without me hearing stories about lives that was transformed, marriages that was changed, uh, even people financially speaking, or sexual addiction, or the list goes on and on and on, including on Sunday I had to powerful testimony how this message changed the life either the book or people watch me on Sid Roth or the message in itself so there's no doubt about of all the messages that I have shared during the last 20 years this one has brought more change and transformation but the frustrating part for me to some degree including just I have all these people and schools and ministries that's been utilizing this book, but I've never liked the book because I felt like, okay, it was almost like we just typed some of my messages back in the days and put it together. So grammatically, it was not very well. Uh, it was lacking some story. It was kind of a just put together, but still it changed so many lives. I was mm. thinking if a wow. good book can do that, what about a great book? So I just realized that we do need to upgrade this, but it's been very, very difficult because I had to go through some tests myself to get kind of the 2.0 version. Mm. And, and well, I mean, in a 10 year journey, you know, this is, this is a life message for you. And so it's not just a 10 year message, um, but in the process of this 10 years, You've come back to this book with, there's new content. There's a couple new chapters, right? Um, The book also has a brand new look and a brand new layout, new activations, updated updated content, as well as... uh, updated activations and things like that so yeah the question i had was do i just tear apart what was and write a brand new book but i did feel like that as, as i've been listening to literally thousands of stories testimonies i realized now there there's so much good in it i just need to upgrade it i've wrote actually six more chapters but we're only using two for the book other things also because i started to look at some modern examples from actually from terrorism to a study examples going on in politics, different things, how the orphan spirit is affecting it and how the orphan spirit is affecting the global economy, how the orphan spirit is affecting what's going on now between Democrats and Republican, uh, even with a system, socialism, capitalism, and seeing the orphan spirit where we will defend one view over another one uh, because you're dealing with an orphan world. 
and we do not realize that sometimes that when you are seeing there's two orphans sitting at a table and and it's actually competing with another if they were family they would complete one another mm. so i just want to dive right in here because you're you're hitting the spot right there and i want to talk about some of the symptoms of the orphan spirit and Talk about the remedies of that, um, what it looks like to, you know, some of our listeners out there may be feeling these different things and not exactly knowing how to connect them, but it's actually coming out of an orphan heart, how to get from that place of an orphan heart to sitting in a place of sonship. Yeah, I think that you have to look at the big picture, and that is uh, if we took everybody back in the beginning, before creation, before there was anything, there was a father, there was a son, and was a Holy Spirit. So in the beginning, God, and the word God is Elohim. In the beginning, uh, God, and God is a family. He is a father, he is a son, and he is a Holy Spirit. It's this perfect union, it's this perfect love. So they had this brilliant idea, let us Father, Son, Spirit, let us make man in our image. Let's create uh, on earth what we have in heaven, a family of sons and daughters that honors the way we honor, that love the way we love, that are one the way we are one. So so the, the family of heaven had a dream. We wanted a family on earth that looked like the family in heaven. But there was also a worship leader. There was also uh, some angel, and one was an archangel named Lucifer. And Lucifer ends up as the first orphan with an orphan spirit. So when he left heaven with one third of the fallen angels, and that's also what came into this perfect garden. And if you remember the beautiful picture here, God, after six and a half days of creation, he had created his beautiful family. And here, I mean, the first face that Adam ever saw was the face of a loving father. The first voice he ever heard was the voice of a loving father. The first feeling he had was the perfect love of his father. And he experienced the presence of his father. And he was living there in a place called Eden. And the word Eden means delight or pleasure. He was living there in the pleasure and the delight of the father and then we know papa god adam he put him asleep and then eventually god brought eve to adam that means eve before she met adam she had seen his face she had heard his voice she had felt his love experiencing his presence and abiding in her pleasure and the father was well pleased with his creation but then what we recognized there was a serpent that came and that was lucifer who was a fallen angel who no longer had a home but the first orphan spirit, he no longer had a home. And the whole thing that was the root, you will never find Jesus saying, why are you the father and I'm the son? And the reason is Jesus loved Jesus the way that the father loved Jesus. The father loved the son. The son loves the spirit. The spirit loved the son. The son loved the father. But the son loved the son the way the father loves the son. That's called covenant, at one They are totally one with one another. So when you are totally one with how God has made you, then you are walking in the light as he is light. There's no room for darkness. When you are loving you the way that he loves you, you are free from fear because this perfect love casts away all fear. But Lucifer himself. Lucifer didn't love Lucifer the way the father loved Lucifer. And he felt that God is actually withholding something from me. So if I become like the most high, and I've write about that in the book so you can see that whole nature of how everything started. But if I become like the most high, then I'm going to feel better about myself. Why are you God and I'm just a worship? leader. And that started that whole thought. And it was not just, it was a truth deficiency that led to a love deficiency that became a blessing deficiency. 
and that led to the fall, and that's what came in the garden. If you eat from this, you are going to be like Papa. If you do something, if you do something, Michael, then you will have something. Then you will become something. That's how you can recognize the orphan spirit because we live in an orphan world, in a fallen world. And that orphan spirit constantly says you have to do something to have something, to become something. But it doesn't matter how much you do, you always have to do more, to have more, to become more. Welcome to the orphan world with the orphan spirit. While sonship is very different, it's because of who I am. I am, I am, I am. I'm a son. I'm a beloved son. My papa already loved me. I already have an A plus on my report card. I am. And because of who I am, I already have. And what I have, now I do. So it's not what you do that makes you who you are, orphan. It is who you are that makes you do what you do, sonship, daughtership. And this is the difference. The orphan will wake up in the morning with measure, sons and daughters with fullness. <laughs> they are always looking at the wrong report card. The orphans will have an F on their report card, while sons and daughters already have an A plus as a starting point. And they don't get the value based upon what they're doing. So I'm putting that just so when Jesus in John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. What Jesus was actually seeing the Father's face, hearing the Father's voice. All I do is what I see my Father do. And all I say is what I hear my Father say. So when Jesus said that it was a cry from Papa God, he didn't want to see the world any longer be an orphanage. So he sent his only begotten son. And eventually what killed Jesus. Jesus, you always called him Father, Father. Until this moment, he says, Eli, 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 Lama Sabbatan. He says, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just for a moment, Jesus became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters. Jesus was separated for a moment from perfect love so we could be restored back again to that perfect love, to that perfect union, to that perfect honor, to that perfect position, stepping into that ocean of love with Papa God and becoming in one that's called covenant, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, finding a place at the family table, no longer competing with both people, but start to complete people. Wow, this kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. Be careful, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Going to get up and do a little jig here. Ooh, <laughs> so one aspect of, I remember when I read your book years ago, um, something that hit me in that place of, of having an orphan heart was, a symptom of it was that an orphan has no home. And I feel like there are so many people out there that feel like they have no home or place of belonging. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, because uh, in the orphan world is that uh, even theologically speaking, you have to believe to behave and then you get the belonging. While in sonship it is, I belong. And because of my belonging, I believe. And then out of the believing, the behaving comes. So what we're seeing for many of us, because what we're looking for is some basic needs that all of us have. We're looking for security. We're looking for love. We're looking for value. We're looking for purpose. And we're looking for affirmation. Those are the five primary things that is the basic needs that we are looking for. So when you're operating with an orphan spirit, if I don't find security, I'm looking for possession. If I suddenly have this job or this money or I get this or I get that, I'm going to find security. And you see that in the orphan war when you don't have a home. You maybe have a beautiful house. 
But on the inside, you still have a black hole in your soul that is still looking for security. Like I, I, I ministered to one businessman who's worth over $300 million. He spent seven, eight hours a day, seven, eight hours a day, just managing the investments, looking at his portfolio, looking how his stocks is going up and down and seeing his investment. And I sat down with this person, and I, I can call him John, but I said, John, you could spend a million dollars every month for the rest of your life and you will never go empty. And you are using all this energy with still a root fear that maybe, maybe there's something that's going to get empty. So the scarcity, it doesn't matter how much you have as an orphan because you want something more, because you don't have that security that your father is the one that is your provider. He is your protector. So you may be running to Jesus and know Jesus and even know the Holy Spirit. But if Jesus doesn't bring you home to the father because you don't know Papa, because your view of the father you do not feel secure. And there's many different reasons. And that's why the enemy is a father of lie. And what people, if you do not then know Papa God as a father, as a loving father, that is a good, good Papa, that wants the best for you, that is providing for you, somebody that you can trust. He is my provider. He is my health. He is my strength. He is my wisdom. Realizing in the home, the refrigerator is full. Realizing that it's not just that there is a pizza that he makes and there's only eight slices, but now seven of your brothers got a slice and there's not going to be one for you eventually and you have to fight over things no papa god owns the bakery your whole world view towards papa how you see papa god is how you see yourself and how i see me is how i see you and the world around me and that's of course what i've wrote in seeing through heaven's eyes is to looking up before we look in then we look out and then we can look forward even our eschatology and our worldview towards the future of what's happening in the world is affected by the glasses if you have sunglasses so the security and if i don't have love i'm looking for love in the wrong places and it is either going to be religion or rebellion you're either going to struggle with prodigal son tendency which is sin or prodigal brother issues which is religion so the orphan in there because if i have love deficiency i also have god deficiency because god is love and then i'm looking for love in the wrong places to fill some of those emptiness and that gap if i don't have value there i'm going to try to go out there to do something to make me valuable if i don't have my purpose i'm going to find my purpose in what i'm doing instead of who i am if i don't have the affirmation i'm going to look all over <laughs> either through your spouse or your friends or your boss or you have to go somewhere else to be able to try to hear this voice that says i love you well done i'm proud of you if you don't hear that from papa god you're trying to look for in the wrong places and that orphan heart it's a very painful thing to have that black hole in the soul and realizing the very thing that i fear come against me because orphans are always living with a root of fear on the bottom of the heart. Because there's still a love deficiency, a place where the perfect love has not gone. So that orphan heart, there's an orphan spirit. Then they were coming in and continued going in and out and harass. And with that orphan spirit, there is suddenly no longer that belonging that gives you the believing and then results in behaving. It is actually the upside. Now you have to do something to have something, to become something. That's the same serpent as if you eat from this, you're going to be like Papa. If you do this, Michael, then you're going to be like Jesus. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Yeah, do something. Then you have something. Then you become something. That's the lie of the orphan spirit. 
And that's what many of us, we bought into that lie and we eat from the wrong tree. And there are still two trees in the garden. And we eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. We try to do these things good and not to do evil, but it is still the wrong tree instead of eating from the tree of life. Wow. Wow. That message is a, a message, a now message, a then message, a forever message that the world needs to hear. Um, talk to me a little bit about Leif, your journey of sonship and what that's been like in the past 10 years. Cause the official release first release was 10 years ago. You're now releasing the second release of the book. What's your journey of sonship look like in, in that span? Yeah, I think that, uh, as, as you know, I had a baptism of love 20 years ago. And then about 18 years ago was when I felt that God started to deal specifically and I started to have language to recognize the orphan heart and the orphan spirit. And just to wake up in the morning, both with Papa God as my father, but also having Jack Taylor as a spiritual papa. He just sent a text to me a few minutes ago. And so I lean my hearts towards Papa God to remind me that I'm a son. That's who I am. And I lean my hearts towards Papa Jack. So in the naturally also I'm a son. So pretty much every day I text, call, I lean my hearts to my spiritual father because it's not just upwards, it's also outwards. So my sonship, uh, I'm just making sure in the last 10 years that my sonship goes before other ships. I think the challenge was that because I also had an apostleship, I had a leadership, I had relationship, I had friendship, I had stewardships, I had all these ships. And sometimes the ships started to get shipwrecked. Mm. And I, I realized I have this pressure on me uh, when any ship goes before sonship, even including friendship. So the secret that I realized, even with Jesus' life, when the question is, who do you say that I am? The revelation, when Simon Peter got a father revelation, he looks at Jesus and says, you are the Christ, meaning you are the anointed, you are the anointed, you are the son, son, son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, this kind of a revelation you could have only got from the father. But now when you know who I am, you can know who you are, because who Jesus is to you is who Jesus will be through you. So for me, I think that was a big shift for me is to get back again to the childlikeness and the innocence of that sonship, that my whole identity, I am a son. Yes, I'm a friend and I'm a father and I'm many other things. But as long as that the first thing you know is that I'm an anointed son. And I, I realized just there's been, I think, one of my fun story. I was doing a pro- prophetic conference it's just showing the, the humanity in this, doing a prophetic conference in Bethel, Reading, probably four years ago, and uh, the other speaker was Sean Bowles. And uh, Sean had just been speaking, and somebody behind said, hey, you're going to have to follow that. And if you're familiar with that, I love Sean. He's a very dear friend, and he's operating in this beautiful gift in a way that just the whole room was in awe in the awesomeness of who God is. Sean is so secure about his sonship and who he is, and I believe that the very gift that Sean has and is releasing to the world is that he sees what the Father is doing, and he says what the Father is saying, and people are just in awe in the awesomeness of the accuracy because Papa God is very accurate when he shared with his son that have learned to listen to the father's voice and seeing the father's face and is motivated out of love and don't have to prove anything because he already have the approval of the father. But here I'm the one that had written a book on healing the orphan spirit. I was going to do the three chair message, but I didn't realize that somebody in a moment whispered that you have to follow that. 
And that in a moment I went from chair number one to chair number two. Mm -hmm. And how do I know? Because in a moment now I start to feel the pressure. That's a typical orphan. I felt the pressure instead of the father's pleasure. And in a moment this thought came in, what, what prophecy do I have? What words do I have? Well, I started to compare myself to Sean. So I started to compete instead of completing. And it is a very silly thing when you become a copy instead of an original. Wow. I'm so glad I knew this message, my own message, yeah. because it took me three, four minutes before they introduced me. And I had already repented for that thought that came in. But that's how quick and subtle it can come. So in that moment, I just came up on the stage and I honored Bill and and, and Chris, but also honored Sean. Oh, that's my brother, Sean. And and when his stock went up, my stock went up because this is a family business. And it's a whole different way of living and loving. And I got the freedom then. How can I add value to Sean? Value. And I came in with my three chairs and helped them even to illustrate. This is me in chair two. That's the orphan chair. This chair here is constantly trying to get their value based on what they do instead of who they are. No longer living from pressure, but my father's pleasure. So I've seen this even as I was writing this book and went through this year. I I, I almost feel shameful, almost, uh, orphans. But because I've realized several of these layers of the orphan spirit lately has come up of things that I thought, I'm already finished with this. Uh, Even in the middle of this COVID-19 when suddenly I had a rotator cuff and fell and got injured and believed God was going to heal me and had words and prophecy. And uh, it was in March and I had a word this year is going to be the year of breakthrough and health and shalom and it's the year of wholeness. And so you have all these words. And then in a moment, I'm, I'm sitting there and came home sick from Malaysia. And then my shoulder, I fell and hurt my shoulder and was doing everything. And then I had to have surgery and I was whining before Papa God. Uh, because that's what orphans do. So I was like complaining here. And it, it was like the father was just whispers. He says, son, don't you know I don't do second class healings? And when I went to the surgeon and had my surgery, went through 12 weeks and you, of course, saw me, Michael, in the middle of that process to be realizing that if God allowed me to go through this, that if I was healed by a word of knowledge or healed by healing, I would have been very excited because I expected that was going to happen and I wouldn't have to go through this process. But when Papa God allowed me to go through the process, when you know his nature and know that he's using all things out for good, as a son, I could trust in the father and the father's provision, the father's protection and knowing that the father then and if he allows me to go through this process is because he has something more for me that I couldn't have without. That's how a son trusts a father because I do what I see my father do and I say what I hear my father say. And so there's been this tension and war between the orphan and the son and me that has also helped me to put it down on pages. And it's been several times, even on provision, where I'm in a moment like I feel the pressure that I'm the one to have to provide. Or now I'm getting these checks that needs to be sent to the persecuted church or suddenly money is not coming in. They are canceling the events. And it's like Papa God comes in, son, I am your father. I am your provider. I am your sufficiency. I am your abundance. I am everything that you need. Everything comes from me. It goes through me, back to me. So I get back again and into that resting place and saying, all I need to do is trust in you, Father. And hey, what are we going to do, Papa? As a friend of God, you start to dream with God in the middle of all the chaos. And then suddenly you realize that you don't want to waste the pandemic. In the middle of it, you're letting your roots go deeper in his love and in his trust and in his peace and in his joy. And wow, even in the middle of this COVID-19, I'm receiving deeper roots that I couldn't have without it because I know who my father is. 
I can trust him. I can rely on him. He's trustworthy. He's good. He's kind. He's loving. He's healing. He's, and you're getting overwhelmed by him. And whatever overwhelms you shapes you. Wow. Come on. That is so powerful. So powerful. Okay. So I want to hear, you talked about the thousands of testimonies. Um, so many people's lives have been, tra- my life's been transformed by this message. Um, I would love to hear one of those, one or two of those testimonies that come up to your mind of people who have been affected and transformed by this message. Yeah, I think one of my favorite one that kind of was part of when I wrote the first book was, uh, I was kind of a very tired, a little bit worn out because I had seen so many creative miracles and Pakistan, Africa, and different places of the world. But in America, I saw some healings, but not miracles. And I struggle and wrestle even with some of my orphan heart. God, is there something wrong with me or wrong with you or the atmosphere? I was just wrestling. And I remember I was in Ankeny, Iowa at Heartland. It used to be called Heartland Assembly of God, but Heartland Church with my good friend. And it was late one night and, and, and Pastor Dave Olson, who is still a very dear friend and a brother connected to our ministry here, and he had a daughter with cerebral palsy, and we saw a few healings that night. But I was tired, and I want to go to my room and miss my family. I miss being home. It's kind of a similar like here, like kind of a it, it was a family season, and I, I, I ached to be home and wanted to go to my room, needed a little introvert. I've been on the road for so long, and but even I started to feel the pain of of stage four cancer, Amy, a girl that was born without a leg that just wanted to dance. I've been over and over and over just ministering and I need a creative miracle and feeling that pain and the brokenness. So late that night, two wheelchairs came up and one is Dave's daughter and another one was another girl. And when they were sitting there and I was like, I needed to be a lover and just go. And I loved on Dave's daughter for a while and prayed. Then I went to the other person in the wheelchair and I just felt, ask her, what do you want the father to do for you? I said, Renee, what would you like Papa to do for you? And she said, I I want him to heal my orphan heart. And I thought she was going to say dance or get out of this wheelchair. And I heard a story how she had been in an injury seven years earlier and Beautiful, beautiful young lady. I I was so broken in my heart. And I looked at her and I just started to release and I started to weep. And I felt the father's love because I have three daughters. And I was thinking, if this was one of my daughters, I know what I will do, Papa. But your love towards Renee is so much greater than my love. And then I just asked Papa God and I started into my sonship. I said, all I'm going to do what you're doing, Papa. And I said, Renee, what would you like? Can we believe today? Because I know it's the Father's will because I'm a good father, but Papa God is a great father. And I know it is his will for you to walk again. Can you agree with that? But she had been disappointed for so long and she's been all over the country. She's been prayed for. She even told me, you prayed for me, uh, Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, and you, you did a healing school in Minnesota and, and, and you guys prayed for me. And I've been prayed for all over and everywhere and I feel more like an orphan than a favorable daughter. And again, my heart was so broken. Make the story short. I said, let's just get one little sign. All I wanted to do was to get her faith level to go up a little bit so that at least she had some hope because I knew there was a war against hope. And all I wanted to give her some hope. I didn't have faith. I I had faith that God could, but not that he would. And not that he would do it right now. (laughs) So I said, can we just ask for one little sign? And I looked at her hands and said, can you move? And she said, no, let's just ask for one inch. 
And I prayed, nothing happened. I'm like, Oof. prayed second time, nothing happened. Third time, nothing happened. I'm like, I'm going to have to be here all night. And by the fourth time, she started to move a little bit. And my faith level went, boop. I just got a little excited. And then her hand opened. And one hour and 45 minutes, she was running all over, up and down the balcony. Kids was following and running after. People, would, somebody, family at the, at the restaurant just put the money, $50 on the table and tip. Let's go back to the church. Renee is getting up of the wheelchair. And the next Sunday, the only thing I ever regretted, the next Sunday that I preached, because when she walked into that church, the church was full. The power of God was there. Worship was going on. The atmosphere was changed. And I just realized the power of this message. So that's one of my favorite stories. That was a very short, concise. I have another Muslim imam I gave the book to. 60 million Muslims influencing all over the world. And I got a call 24 hours afterwards. And he said, I don't know what is happening, but I, I'm reading this book, but I can't. I never cry, but I can't stop doctor degree phd muslim among one of the top religious islamic clergy is weeping and is having a baptism of love and for the first time realized that he is not an orphan that he is a son and one more testimony did because i have a whole list here just and here we are in africa and and we're standing there and papa jack and a whole group of people paul yada they were with us had 120 people on my team, we did something called African Call and have about 11,000 people out there. And I just felt because I was in this journey with Papa God to moving away from the orphan spirit, feeling like I need to do something because the pressure is signs, wonders and miracles and I'm the power evangelist and just being a son. And I was open and Papa was just, son, I want you just to trust me and learning just to be a son. And so I was going through this journey and then I heard Papa God said, I want you just to tell him just what is the word Papa in Swahili? So I asked her, hey, what, what is the word Papa in Swahili? And I said, Baba. And I was like, Baba, Baba. And they said, Baba. And I heard, just say to everybody, say Papa. And 11,000 people, Papa, Baba, Baba. And this happened five times I did it. And suddenly the whole atmosphere changed. Mass healing, 9,500 people healed and delivered and everything else. So all I did was, and these people surrendered their life to Jesus. And I hadn't even done the prayer. I just, one of them, it was an act of obedience. That was one thing. But it was another thing that the Father gave me a revelation, that if you could just get these people to know that God, I'm a good father, I'm a father, and for them to clear the fatherhood of God, what they're actually saying now is that we are sons and daughters. And when he said that, it was the Father's will, it was his pleasure to give his sons and daughters good gift. And I, I've, I've sat here last night for four hours just writing down story after story, and I know that we just have to finish and have the second part of this, but healing the orphan and spirit this book uh, that is coming out right now um, you probably can hear this is with COVID-19 if you're hearing me with COVID-19 I'm not able to talk hardly but you can sense the excitement this is contagious and so I was sitting and reading my own book and I don't like reading my own book I don't like, I like listening to myself but I did it last night I was just being so overwhelmed as I just realized what this book and this message is going to do to the world to see churches being transformed marriages being transformed to see addicts is just going to be set free to see these wealthy businessmen that has been orphans that is building these incredible businesses all of they wanted to do was to please the father and not realizing that they are already pleasing to the father and just realizing the very father heart of god that he wants his family back and he's restoring his family on earth we have been looking for a fire and god is building healthy fireplaces in the middle of this covid 19 
season and where there's healthy fireplaces, healthy family. God doesn't want a billion orphans. He wants a billion sons and daughters. So what he's doing now is restoring his family on earth like the family on heaven. How do I know? Because it started as a family and it ends as a family, represented from every nation, every tongue, every tribe and every language, worshiping before him. And there's about a billion new names about to be added to the Lamb's book of life. But the starting point is for us first as sons and daughters to come home and getting our identity back. And out of that identity, we have intimacy. And out of the intimacy, we're tapping into the inheritance and everything that Jesus paid for. And then we're stepping into our destiny and finding our uniqueness, finding our rarity, finding our place at the family table. And we're starting to bring glory. And that's how the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covered the sea. It says we're stepping in, sons and daughters of glory, into glory, becoming who we were born to be. Wow. 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 That, this, the message, the reality of the father's heart towards his children, it's just so vast and so beautiful. Um, hearing the testimonies and the excitement of, of just what, what happened, even with that girl, just understanding the love that the father had for her in that moment. It changed everything. It changes everything. Well, if, if you will, um, we're going to wrap up this episode, but if you will just pray for us, uh, the new 10-year anniversary edition of Healing the Orphan Spirit is available on all platforms. So jump in, get it. We've got it on ebook. Uh, we've got it on audiobook, and we've got it in the paperback version. It's got a new look, a new layout, new content. So you definitely want to check it out. Yeah, I think it is one of those books. And I, I'm not saying that you've never heard me say that with any of the other books in that sense. But this is one of those that I personally will buy cases myself to hand out where whole churches will read through it. And, and you shift the atmosphere of a whole churches, over whole schools of ministry, over businesses, uh, where business owners would just buy these and give it out to all of the employees for Christmas. Because I think that you're going to see the upgrade in the business when each person now is finding their value because valuable people they they attract value and they add value when you see how valuable you are because Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you valuable he died on the cross because you are valuable look at the price that he paid for you so father I just thank you so much that the John 14 18 where Jesus you still have the same cry I will not leave you as an orphan I will not leave you as an orphan I will come to you. I thank you for the very spirit of adoption. Thank you for the holy, holy, holy spirit that you are inviting us, wow, to come home. The very spirit, those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. And there is a father even at this very moment with open arms and he is looking, not looking away from you, but towards you. He's looking. That Father is still full of compassion. That Father is still running towards you. He wants to embrace you and he wants to kiss you. He wants to give you a robe and he wants to give you a ring. He wants you to walk in his peace and he wants you to experience the celebration and the party. Come home. Come home. Find your place at the family table to see his face, to hear his voice, to feel his love experiencing his presence. So Father, even at this moment, I release for fresh baptism of love and I just release, whoa, that, that orphan heart and the orphan spirit is going to actually be traded in to get a home and to be totally secure 
where nothing can separate you from your Father's love. Give us revelation, impartation, and activation as we read this book and we go on this journey together. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.